This morning, uh, the title for today's sermon is Under the Oil Press. And um, uh, it's going to be based on Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 to 39. A little bit of a uh, more of a practical sermon today that I want to do a shift. Uh, this week we've been talking about abiding in Christ and allowing Him to abound in all areas of our life. But there's an aspect of Christ that we cannot experience unless we learn to also abide in or within the body. And we allow the body to abound, the body of Christ to abound in our life as well. Um, there's aspect of God's grace that we can only experience with one another. And it goes more than just what we think of fellowship, but of true communion and engaging with one another and deep soul unveiling towards one another. Um, and I find that in a lot of churches that is lacking. And we'll dive into a little bit about that. But um, you know, one of the things that I've noticed, especially in, in our culture today, is how easily we decapitate Jesus. We oftentimes separate Jesus from his body. And we make really strong statements that we can love God without loving his body. Um, sometimes we, we might say, I have a great spiritual life and I love God, but I do not love the church. <laughs> and the church is, you think about it, just, it's just not that complicated. It's like, it's his body, <laughs> you know? It's like, can you imagine a guy walking to a girl and be like, I love your head, but man, your body? No, no, no. Can you imagine that? It doesn't sit well, right? It's like, get out of my face, you punk, right? But we do that to God. We can't do that. In fact, there's a reason why he gives gifts through the Holy Spirit differently to everybody in the body because you cannot experience aspects of God without each other. And we need to learn to abide in Christ through one another and allow the church to abound in all of our life. If you notice, a lot of people talk about, I, 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 I want to be discipled, I want to be mentored, until they get into your business. And then you're like, well, that's too much, right? Well, that's the, 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 well I don't know what you're asking, because that's discipleship, true mentoring, and when somebody's really getting in your business, is really getting into your life, is really asking the hard questions is really asking for accountability. And so the church, it's very important because it requires this kind of unveiling of your soul. And without that unveiling of your soul, you cannot experience the fullness that Christ has in store for you. And so if you can put up the picture that I am um, before we go into the passage. Now, just look at it for a few seconds. <laughs> Try to process it. Keep the picture there, but um, I was, um, one, of, one of the things that I struggle with is despondency. Another word for calling it is depression. I know it might not seem like that because I smile a lot. But oftentimes people come to church with a smile and there's a lot of things that are hiding behind that smile. And um, 
However, I didn't know that what I was struggling with it was depression. Um, when I saw this picture that somebody posted on Facebook, yes, people still use Facebook today, especially if you're over 40 or late 30. <laughs> but somebody had posted this picture, and, um, and, the, and as I was scrolling, uh, the moment I saw it, I immediately understood what it meant. Um, I don't know if anybody has ever felt this, but you know, nobody wants to be depressed. <laughs> but when it comes, it's like an innocent thought. Um, and, and it's really like self-focusing. It's really like you, you focus so much on yourself and on your circumstances or uncertainty that you just can't see anything else. And you kind of don't want to necessarily kind of do that, but it, it, becomes like, it becomes an innocent thought that kind of might help, might make you feel sorry for yourself or for something that you're going through. And it, be, it becomes innocent, but the more thought you give it, the more it takes over. And then what happens is, I don't know if you've ever felt this way. If you have, like, let me know, because it'll encourage me in a weird way. <laughs> but it's like you're sinking into yourself, dude. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. Um, it's like a black hole inside of you, and you just kind of like, and you know it, you're feeling it, you know it's coming and you're trying to stop and you don't want it to stop and you just can't help it and you just keep going and my thighs are really hurting. <laughs> Anybody has ever felt that? Okay. There's nothing to be ashamed of because we're gonna go to the scripture and see that um, Jesus went through this. And um, what I realized is when you're in that place, you're so, mm, you're so focused on you that you can't even see Jesus. That's just what it is. And you need people around you that can help you fix your eyes back on Christ. Um, Sometimes it, like, it might do it in a nice way. Sometimes it might do it with a slap in your face. Wake up, boy. <laughs> and you're just like, okay. But regardless, you're going to need people around your life. And we're going to see in this passage in the book of Matthew how Jesus, as the son of God, who was also the God-man, needed people in his life as a man. And he employs the people that he had around him, his disciples. And so, you can take that picture off because it's depressing. <laughs> so let's go to the passage. And let's see what God did. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 to 39. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, the sons of thunder, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible that this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Let me just pray for us before we continue. Father, you are faithful to us. Father, we're not only thankful for your faithfulness, for your covenant, for what you remember that we often forget, 
but we thank you for the church. It comes with pains. Sometimes we get disappointed because of the church. Sometimes we get hurt because of the church. But it is still an institution you have created in order for us to experience aspects of you that can only be experienced within the context of your body. And I pray that you will help us love your church the same way we expect and want you to love us. I pray that you will help us on the seek fellowship, true communion and fellowship with the church. Help us to unveil our soul to one another, to not just want a church that is welcoming to us, but to also be a church us individually that is welcoming to others. And I pray that you will minister to us this morning, Lord, that you will help us to leave this place with great hope that you are a high priest that knows exactly what we go through, and that you will help us to follow the model that you have left behind. Father, you are the Son of God, you're the Son of Man, you're the God-Man, O oh Lord. And we thank you, O oh God, that you understand us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, as many of you might already know, Jesus is still on his way to be crucified. And um, he knows what's coming. He knows what's up. He knows it's going to hurt. And he is stressed. And Jesus goes to this place called the Mount of Gethsemane before his impending death. And so he's at the foot of the mountain. Um, not really up there in the mountain. At the foot of the mountain, there was this garden called Gethsemane, but uh, it, it, this was the Mount, uh, Mount of Olives. Now, the word Gethsemane means oil press. Um, this is the garden of, it's more like an olive grove. And of course, you can imagine, it's full of olives, you pick olives, and they put them under the oil press, and out of that comes oil. And it is a very intentional, fitting place for Jesus to pray this prayer. With this backdrop of the Mount of Olives and the Garden of Gethsemane and the Olive Grove, he is displaying the pressure that he is going through. He is feeling pressed down. Anybody knows that feeling? Oh yes, I'm sure. And so he takes his disciples with him and he begins to express to his disciples and to God, his Heavenly Father, how pressed down he feels that another word for pressed down is depressed. And so he is, you know, encountering and experiencing this moment. And so because of the suffering that he's about to undertake. And so let's learn what Jesus does in this moment. Uh, you notice that he doesn't seclude himself further. This is one of the things that people who feel pressed down or depressed do, one of the first thing they do is be alone. Because they say, I need to process this alone. And you know, sometimes that's true. There's things that we need to process alone. But when it comes to depression, you don't want to be alone. And this is not, this is, that's the opposite that Christ does. He's not alone. The first thing that Jesus does that you notice in verse 37, and he, he takes some very close spiritual friends with him. When you are feeling this way, when you are encountering this, the first thing you gotta do, you gotta call out to some close, good spiritual friends. You can see that in verse 37. The Bible says, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John. 
Now this is Jesus, the Son of God, God himself and all of his humanity. He did not go to God alone. He took some very close friends with him. In other words, he took his three besties. Who has best friends? Hopefully you do. I hope you do. <laughs> you need best friends. We're going to talk a little bit about you know, what, what best friends should, should be, how they should be. And if you're that best friend, it's a challenge for you too. But he took, he took Peter, James, and John. These are the people that he shared the most intimate moments with. Like in verse 37, um, here, but he also took them during the transfiguration, remember? He got transfigured. He didn't take all the disciples. He took just these three, Peter, James, and John. You okay? <laughs> See, Jesus needed people close to him and alongside him to carry forth his mission on earth. And all the time, all, oftentimes we see Jesus, oh, he's God, he doesn't need anyone. No, he was also a man. He needed people, and he shows us that. You know, he needed his 12 disciples to carry forth the gospel. He needed and wanted John the Baptist to prepare the way for him as he would start his ministry. He needed people like Mary and Martha and Lazarus who offered their home as a place of solace and encouragement and a good old man. He needed these things. In fact, he even needed help with carrying the physical cross. He was a man, just like you and me. And we all know the story of Luke chapter 23, verse 26. He's trying to carry this cross up, um, up the, uh, uh, Calvary, and he just can't do it alone. And the Romans employ a man named Simon of Cyrene, and he helps carry the cross the rest of the way. Jesus did not have the physical strength to carry it anymore. He needed people, you need people, people that you can open your soul to. You need a Cyrenian. Now, sometimes in, 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 when married couples, um, you know, let me just, I know you're singles, just hold on for just, just one second, triple, okay, just, <laughs> let me talk to married couples, just quick, 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 but learn, you can learn from this, okay? Wives, I know that you want to be your husband's best friend and you want him to share everything that is up here. But if we're honest, if he will tell you everything that is up here, you won't take it. Give him the space that he needs to have besties that he can unveil his soul to. Because you know that there's some things that he tells you with all honesty and you're like, what the? <laughs> he needs people in this life like Christ. And I know you want to be his all in all, but you got to stop. <laughs> you got to let Jesus be his all in all. You have to allow that. You have to give him that time. I'm not talking about him being like, oh, my bestie is my Xbox or my PS5. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Guys, y'all need to stop, okay? <laughs> you know, sorry. But you can't ignore your wife either. If you really want time to unveil yourself with friends, you gotta give up some things, okay? Okay, now you don't like me anymore, it's okay. <laughs> so I'm not talking about that. I'm just, wives, you gotta 
he needs to have a, he needs to have friends because you can't be his all in all. Husbands, I know it might be less of a trouble with you, but you gotta give your wife an opportunity to have best friends that she can unveil her soul to. Because if you don't have that, you will die inside. You know, I've been through moments in my marriage where both me and my wife are not giving each other that opportunity. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, I hope you didn't, but I'm just telling you the things that I have prayed. This, this sounds really bad. <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed, but it's the truth. God knows it's true. There's been moments where in my prayer is what I pray. God, either you kill her or you kill me, but one of us have to go. <laughs> I'm being honest with you. Because the circumstances in our marriage is so dire, and I'm sinking into my own self, I don't even see my wife anymore. And I'm like, God, one of us has got to go. We can't divorce, so, but at least if one of us died, then okay, like, we'll be free. I know it sounds bad, but I'm just being really raw with you. I'm just being really honest with you. And it is in those moments where I needed someone to run to because I was too blind, so, self, so focused on myself that I couldn't see Jesus. And I needed someone to say, wake up and smell the coffee, brother. Because you just need too selfish right now. You need people around you. You need a Cyrenian. Trust me, you will have a much healthier husband and a much healthier wife if you allow this. You help them allow this in your life, okay? Singles, you need good, solid, spiritual godly friends. And I'm being very specific. Spiritual, godly friends. You need friends like that because you're going to need help to carry you in this Christian journey. We'll dive into that very soon, so I haven't forgotten about you, okay? Now, what is the second thing that Jesus does when he's under the oil press, pressed down, depressed? Notice that he opens his soul to his closest spiritual friends. In verse 38, he says this, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Now take a, take a moment here, okay? This is Jesus, the author of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. In him, all things hold together. Nothing exists without him. This is Jesus, life itself. And he's feeling so sad to the point of death. This is not an interpretation. This is him, what he's, what's coming out of his mouth. He feels so sad that he's feeling, he feels like he's dying. Do you understand like the gravity of that? This is his life, but this is what he's feeling. He knows what it feels like when you feel like you're dying because he felt that way. He is a high priest that knows, that relates with us, that sympathizes with us. He knows what it feels like to be human. But he didn't hide it. He wanted his disciples to know it. Let's go a little further. He wanted the whole world to know it. 
for all generations. Because you and I are talking about it this morning. We need to come to a place of true honesty in the church. Because we lie too much. <laughs> we hide a lot of things that we don't want people to know. Because we don't want to seem a certain way. But we got to follow Jesus. If you want freedom, if you want to make it, you're going to have to unveil your soul to true, godly, spiritual friends. When these feelings first hit you, it's not sin. The danger is when you dwell in it. Because as you know, it can lead to, to the worst thing that can lead physically, the taking of your life. And you're gonna have to, you need people in your life that rescue you, literally pull you out of that place. And to, all again, put your eyes and fix your eyes on Christ. See, Jesus is so pressed down, he knows exactly what's gonna happen. A lot of times, we become anxious because we are uncertain of what's gonna happen. You know, that's what anxiety is. You're thinking that something is gonna happen or that something won't happen before it happens or doesn't happen. And so then that fills you with anxiety and depression and fear. But Jesus, he knew exactly what was gonna happen and he only needed one verse. Isaiah chapter 53, verse five. It says that he was going to be pierced, crushed, chastised, and wounded. Just one verse. It says, but he was pierced for our transgression, he was crushed for our iniquities, upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. That's just one verse. If that's your destiny, you'll be depressed too. <laughs> as a man, you think about it. As a man, you're, if somebody would tell you tomorrow this is going to happen to you, you'd be like, oh shoot. <laughs> this is Jesus, the man. But that was not the greatest cause of pain for him. That's just physical. What's causing the greatest distress in Jesus' life is that for your sake, he was about to experience the entire wrath of God. His father was going to smite him for your sake. He has been in relationship with the father for all eternity. He has never experienced any negative thing of, of, of his father against him. But the Bible tells us right there in Isaiah 54, 53 verse 4, that he was going to be smitten by God. So that way you can have perfect fellowship with him for all eternity through what Jesus has done. The physical pain was bad enough, but the emotional anguish was worse. He was about to experience something that he had never experienced throughout all eternity. And you know that it was so unbearable, this pressure that he was feeling. You know, like, you know, talk about sweats of blood. Think about, okay, this might look a little funny, but it's not funny, but you can laugh, it's okay. But you think about, if you can try the hardest to put pressure in your head, you think about it, you, there's so much pressure you're trying to put in your head, you know, when you're lifting weights, you're like, you know, like, think about it, that your capillaries, your capillaries pop, and then you're sweating blood. Think about the, the physical anguish. This is what's happening to Jesus physically because of the pressure that he is under, that he's about to experience because of the cross. 
so you can have life. He knows what it feels like to be you. He knows that. You can't do this alone. You have to learn to open your soul to one another. We have to be a church that learns to fellowship and commune with one another beyond fun. You see, church nowadays is more of a social club than a place where people can unveil their soul. And we call it fellowship, right? Let's have fellowship. Well, what's fellowship? We go out and eat at a restaurant, right? <laughs> what's fellowship? We hang out, we play volleyball. I don't know what you guys are here, but in Atlanta, they play volleyball, you know? <laughs> huh? Volleyball, yep. And so that, we're having fellowship. Woo, baby, <laughs> You know, just have fun, right? But deep down, you're done. You know what's also fellowship? Hey, have you tried this new brewery? Because in Atlanta, it's still a brewery. Try this, try that, you know, and all that, right? Wow, we're having so much fun. This is amazing, bro. You're my bro. Yeah, I'm your bro. <laughs> oh, you're my sis. I'm your sis. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll go there, right? We go on vacations together. We watch games together. Super Bowl, we drink together. We eat together. And that is the extent of the fellowship that we as a church have. <laughs> But that, the fellowship is more than that. It's not just that. It's more than that. The question is, are you abiding and abounding in Christ through his body with depth of relationship? Meaningful, meaningful fellowship. Do you have men or women in your life that you can really open your soul to? Not, people, not just people that you can hang out with, have fun with, laugh with, watch a game with, have a drink with. I'm talking about men and women that you can open your soul to. Men and women that are genuinely good company for you, as Paul described. Not people that corrupt your good morals, but people that when you open your soul to, they bring you back to Jesus. People that can be like, brother, I'm gonna kneel down and I'm gonna pray right alongside you until you're free. Somebody that's going to come here, you want to cry on my shoulder, let's cry. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to prophesy over the sister. I'm going to cry out for the sister. I'm going to pray for the sister. This is my sister. This is my brother. You need genuinely good spiritual friends. You need a Cyrenian in your life. You need that kind of people in your life. Because... Jesus not only opens up his soul to his closest friends, but thirdly, he asked them to pray with him. He says in verse 38, remain here and watch with me. Now, oftentimes, Jesus went alone to pray, but not this time. He's not alone this time. And he didn't just take them with him to simply tell them that he was going through something, but he unveiled his soul as his prayer request. I am so sad. I feel like dying. Can you pray for me? Can you pray with me? I can have many amazing friends, but how many of them will go to the battle with you on their knees? Mm -hmm. Do you have friends like that? Just think about for a moment. Think about your best friends. And if they're in the church, okay, it's, hopefully it's challenging you, but think about your best friends. Are they people that go on the battle with you on their knees? Is that the kind of friends you have? 
people that will drop everything they have to pray with you and to intercede with you. Because those are the kind of people you're going to need to make it. I'm not saying that they're not great friends. I'm not saying they're amazing friends. But if we're going to follow Jesus' example, right, do you have a Peter and a James and John? Because you're going to need people like that. That goes beyond. Now, but let me ask you a different question. Are you a friend like that? To somebody? Because a church is more than just a social club. If you want a social club, you can become an elk. Right? You know, like the elks? No? You know what I mean, right? Yes. If you want a social club, you can just go to the elk, you can go to the lion's club. I don't know if they still have that. You can do the four uh, group quattro H, four H's, like with the, with the like, green leaf, you know? You know what I'm talking about? Like this video was good, you don't even know. You can do a lot of things. You can join a climbing club. You know, you can join like a ping pong club, I don't know, a volleyball club. But the church is more than just a club. In the church, you want to experience life. True life, not just what this life of here on earth has to offer, but a life where you can experience Jesus through somebody sitting next to you. And they can experience Jesus through you. You need spiritual friends. Uh, Peter, James, and John. You need people like that. They need to meet you where you are. They need to be able to, you need to be able to draw them to that oil press. When you're there, you need to be able, to, they have to be able to come with you there. You need them, but they need you. They need to pray with you. Now, what is the first thing that Jesus does? Jesus, he empties himself in prayer before his Father. Now, we need each other, right? We need each other in the church. But at the same time, the church cannot replace God. Because your brother and your sister can only take you so far. And Jesus recognizes that. And so he comes to his Father. His primary dependency, his greatest dependency is his heavenly Father. And in verse 39, he says this, And going a little further, he fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Immediately, in Jesus' prayers, you notice that he did not hide what he felt. He tells God, his Father, if it is possible that I don't have to go through what I'm going through, can you just take it away? If there was any other way where God could pass over him, like he did the Israelites during the Passover, he wanted that. If that could be possible, he would take it. But Jesus knew it wasn't possible. There was no other way. But that didn't mean that he wasn't transparent. That didn't mean that he wasn't unveiling his soul before his father. A lot of us do not come to God in our greatest need. And we don't unveil our soul. I don't know, maybe because we're embarrassed, we don't want to seem to look in a particular way. But you know what sets Job apart? You know, while Job was going through everything that he was going through and he said all the things that he said, did you know that he was saying those things to God? He was praying to God. One thing that he didn't stop doing, he didn't stop coming back to God. There was no pretense in Jesus. There was no hiding. There was no showboating. There was no preaching through prayer. You know those people that they preach through prayer? Have you met those people? They're like praying and they're like, Lord, I pray for my brother. Let him realize that you ask for so much holiness because the Bible says, and they're just kind of preaching, but they don't have the boldness to, to tell you, so they just kind of pray about it. You know, you met those people? No? Okay. 
It's just been solely in my church, okay? <laughs> there was no preaching through prayer. There was no rebuking through prayer. <laughs> this is Jesus' raw emotions, feeling under the yoke for us. And that's exactly what the Father wanted from him. That's what God wants from you. Because he knows it anyways. And we have to do the same. We need to stop hiding behind our strengths. A lot of times when we first meet people, that's what we share. Oh, how are you? I'm doing good. How are things going on at work? Oh, it's okay. Well, maybe, man, I just don't have the, oh, sorry. Well, I don't have the promotion that I'm looking for. But we just kind of keep it at this superficial level. Sometimes it's because when we say when I'm doing well, have you noticed people don't know what to do with it? How are you doing? Oh, not too well. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you don't talk about it. They don't, know, they don't know how to deal with it, you know? I'm like, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll pray for you, okay? And they don't want to talk about it. Have you seen somebody crying? It makes you feel what? Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. You don't know what to do. Should I console them? Or should I pray for them? Or should I say something? Should I not say something? It's just like, what do I do? It's okay, they, they, let them cry, and then you, you can minister to them. We're kind of not ready to deal with the negative aspects of our Christian journey. We're, we're good with the positive, but when somebody's kind of sharing all of that raw emotions, we just like, we can't deal with it. But the thing is, that's what God wants. He doesn't want fake, fake stuff. You have to be genuine. You have to be real with Him. You have to come before the Lord. See, God doesn't want your strength. He wants your weakness. Because it is in his weakness that what? His strength is perfected. You don't come to God kind of like boasting about all these things. And even though you might not say, God, I'm so strong without you. None of us will say that. But by not unveiling our soul before him and before the people that he has set around us, we are boasting in our strength. You're going to need his strength in order to be the man, the husband, the father God has called you, in order to be the woman, the mother, or the wife God has called you, in order to be that single young adult that can help others encounter Christ, you're going to need His strength to do that, especially in the world that we live today. Some of you are trying so hard to be godly without God. It doesn't make sense. Right? You can't be godly without God. But we do that, we try that. You need him to be a godly man, a godly father, a godly husband, a godly wife, a godly sister, a godly uh, mother. You need God. You gotta be thankful on him, especially when you are under the oil press. The fifth thing that Jesus does is that he rests in the sovereign will of his father. Verse 39, he says this, he's unveiling his soul, he's emptying himself, before God, he's done that with the people around him. But then he says this, at the end of the day, it's not about me, it's not about my will, it's about your will. And one of the reasons why we so often succumb under the pressing oil of depression or anxiety is because things didn't work out like we wanted them to. Or because we are scared they will not work like we hope they do. And I struggle with this a lot. One of my greatest strengths, I think as a pastor, and people have shared this with me, is I'm pretty visionary. I kind of I see ahead, and I think ahead, and I look ahead, and with every strength come a weakness, with great 
responsibility. What does he call it? Put it in power. Put it responsibility. You know? And, and when, because I think too much ahead, I become very anxious. Everybody has a weakness in their strength. If you think about your strength, think about your weakness. And God can use that strength for his purposes, but the enemy can corrupt that strength and turn it into a weakness that becomes a downfall for you. And so you have to become very aware of that. And I realize that it really comes down to letting go of control and trusting God's sovereign will. That he knows more than me. He knows better than me. He loves me more than I could ever love myself. Do you trust that? Because when things don't work out the way we expect them, we no longer expect it the way we no longer trust that God is loving us through that. I'm not saying it's easy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that can we trust Him? Can we trust in His love? Because when He sees me, He sees my eternity in mind. Even under the oil press, even when I am at the weakest. See, Jesus could have taken control of the situation right here in Gethsemane. He could have done something. He could have stopped Judas from betraying him. He didn't have to go through that. In fact, just a few verses after in a passage, he tells us that he could have stopped it and even describes what he would have done to stop it. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 53 and 54, he says, remember the scene? People are going to come to Jesus. Peter is like, I'm going to save you, my master. <laughs> and cut the ego of the servant, right? I will be with you forever, my Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus is like, bro, no, he didn't say that, okay? <laughs> but this is what he tells Peter. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scripture be fulfilled that it must be so? This is what Jesus is saying. You really think I don't have the power to stop this, Peter? Oh yeah, I can stop it. But how will you be saved? That's what he's saying. How will then the will of God be fulfilled and accomplished? I am trusting my life in the life of my heavenly Father. In other words, I'm trusting more on His will than on my will. Because the more I trust in His will, the more He is glorified. Now, this might seem obvious, but when you, when you put oil under the oil press, uh, sorry, olive under the oil press, what comes out? Oil. oil. When you squeeze a lemon, what comes out? Oil and juice. Well, lemon juice, okay. Oh. Right? <laughs> that just seems obvious, right? But it is often under the greatest pressure that our weaknesses are exposed. Therefore, it is often under the, our greatest pressure that the strength of God is revealed. When we are under the oil press, his strength is perfected and shown. We need to allow ourselves to be under that oil press so the will of God is revealed in our lives. We need to surrender our soul and unveil our soul to one another so we can begin to see what's our weaknesses 
when you get to see the strength of God perfected. On Friday, I was sharing how my marriage, we were, we were on work in World War III. And I don't remember what I said, but if you remember, I was praying to the Lord. This is before I was saying, either kill, you kill her or you kill me. So this is before that. But I was praying to the Lord, God, you duped me. The wife that you give me, I have never felt so angry. Remember I was saying that? And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, oh no, she is not causing you to be that way. I'm just using her to reveal what has always been in there. I was under an oil press. And my oil was coming out. And what God was doing is revealing something about me that he wanted me to change that I would have not been able to change unless I was under that oil press. So that way he can then show me through his strength that he can still keep our marriage together even when it seems like it's going to be over. By God's grace, we've been together for almost 18 years. And I still pray that the Lord will give us strength to still be together until we go to heaven or one of us die. But not because I'm praying for him. <laughs> But because it's his will, <laughs> and we submit to the sovereign will. Look, your career is not going to pan out the way you expect it. Your life won't pan out the way you want. Your kids, I know that you're seeing them, and you're going to be, they're going to be this, and they're going to be that, and they're going to be this, whatever. It's not going to happen that way. I guarantee you. But can you trust the Lord? Can you in those moments appear your soul to the people sitting next to you? Are you that kind of a church? And I mean you as a person that someone can unveil their soul to and you can lead them in prayer to come before the Heavenly Father. Just like Jesus was coming before his three besties, Peter, James, and John. Will you overreact when your kids are sinning? Or are you still going to trust him into the hands of the Father? So I want to encourage you, when you go through the oil press, learn to rest in the sovereign will of God. So I want to leave you with these five things. One, under the oil press, you've got to bring some godly friends with you. Two, unveil your soul to them. Three, ask them to pray with you and or intercede for you. Four, Come with all your raw emotions before your Heavenly Father in prayer. Fifth, rest in His sovereign will for you. Let's pray. Lord, as painful as the cross was for you, as painful as, as it was for you to experience the wrath of your Heavenly Father for our sake, I can only say thank you. Thank you that you have done all of that for us. Thank you that you even show us a model to follow when it comes to going through those pressure moments in our life. I want to pray for renewal, Lord. Let this church be a church that has true communion and true biblical fellowship. Let this be a church that goes beyond the social aspects of church. I pray that this church may be a church that looks different than the clubs out there. I pray that when people come from the outside, they may see that this is different, that church is different, that it is your body, that through the body they can experience your presence. 
I pray that the men in this room, the women in this room, may be people that unveil their soul before you and before one another. I pray that they may not be afraid to unveil their soul. And I pray that when people unveil their soul, they can be ready to draw them to you, to speak truth when needs to be spoken, to exercise grace when needs to be exercised, but to be people that fall on their knees to fight the battle alongside each other. Let it go beyond vacation. Let it go beyond hanging out. Let it go beyond golf and playing. Let those things happen, Lord, but let it get deeper. Let there be true meaningful relationship so that we knew a church can be a church where you abide through the body and where you are abounding in every area of your life, their life, so they can experience you in all of who they are. Father, I am sure that there's people here that struggle the same way I do, with depression, with anxiety. There are people here that have trauma from the past, that are trying to get past that. There are people that perhaps are experienced through trauma right now in the present, they don't even know it. I pray that they may stop for a moment. They may not just go through the motions and they may seek the help of a brother or sister in Christ that can stand alongside them and fight the battle together. Let this church be and go deeper in you because we want to experience all that you have for us. Help us, O God, to go under the oil press and come out the other side in victory. Father, we love you and we thank you. Raise us as a church. In Jesus' name.